It's a good day. It is a very good day. And the Lord is always at work, and we want to learn to be more aware of what he's up to in the way we just uh, live our daily lives, certainly in the way we gather as the church. Looking forward to uh, worship night coming soon on a Wednesday night. We'll be talking a little more about that as we conclude the Wednesday night uh, Holy Spirit emphasis, Holy Spirit class that AT is uh, leading in our online and in our media room on Wednesday evenings. And um, just want to just press in more to what the Lord's desiring in this season. Do you feel that? Do you sense that? I just, uh, I, I'm longing for that more and more and more just to really comprehend and connect with uh, what he's up to. And so it's been a tremendous season and just in all honesty, this is, um, this is a time that I think I'm having to rethink a number of different things, fundamentally uh, even, in approaching the whole idea of the table and what the table is to be. It's not just a series of messages that we can value and appreciate. It's a season of transformation that God is bringing to the body of Christ where we will see things from an entirely different vantage point in the way we function and in the way we operate. And that's my prayer that the Lord would really transform us uh, in this time to start to see things from a different standpoint. And that, that's been happening with me. I'm just realizing the table is um, it's beautiful and, and I'm thankful and, and I just uh, voice my love and appreciation for my sacrificial wife. Um, we host tables in our home frequently. We're gonna have a number of people there this afternoon. Um, we have people that are staying over from out of state last week and again this week. Um, you know, this is about hospitality. And, uh, and it's, it does have a price. How many of you know hospitality has a certain cost? And so that price is a sacrificial price we're willing to pay to cooperate with what God is doing in the kingdom of God. And so I'm just starting to view that differently from a standpoint of how I'm even interacting with people, conversations, where I normally would just kind of walk away quickly. I'm walking away slowly, just trying to pay attention. Is there more to the conversation that God is desiring to have? I mean, you can be finished with a conversation and God not be finished yet. And you can also uh, be lingering on when God was finished a long time ago. So I'll try not to preach too long today. But uh, we just want the conversation of the Lord. That's really, uh, that's what we're after. So come on, let's just, um, let's just agree for that. Would you, just in your own heart, just availability to the Lord. Father, we invite you to speak to our hearts. We are your sons and daughters of God. We, as your sheep, hear your voice. And we follow you according to John 10, 27. I thank you that your word says that we will all be taught by God and that our children will be taught by God. What a beautiful promise. We want to engage on that level, not just to experience that, but to express that as the legacy that we strengthen in lives that will come after us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So last week we started framing the difference between the message of Christ and the method of Jesus. And the, the, uh, the sermon that I brought really centered around the concept that if we believe the message of Christ without embracing the method of Jesus in bringing that message to pass, then we become very ineffective. 
Uh, actions speak louder than words. We would all know that phrase and agree with that statement. Uh, it's one thing to understand the writings of Scripture. It's another thing to understand the ways of the Savior. And we need those two to come together if the world around us and people around us are going to effectively understand the love of God. When Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples, this is your first blank today, and I just want to reiterate this, it's such an important reality, but when he wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them an informative lecture, but rather he gave them a relational meal. So you see the tables in the uh, auditorium on the floor. Those of you who are online, again, I just reiterate this week, glance over to your table if you can see your kitchen table. Um, the table is really at the heart of the home. There's something powerful that happens around the table. And Jesus demonstrated this in amazing and wonderful ways. He was constantly having a meal with somebody uh, as his expression or the ways of the Savior, the method of Jesus, all the things that we're trying to point to. And if you just, we realize this, and I'm just reiterating some of what we were talking about last week, but in a society that lacks true relational connection, we live in a society that uh, really doesn't have a lot of true, authentic relational connection. And in a society like that, an invitation to biblical hospitality actually becomes one of the most compelling and irresistible aspects of Christianity for people to experience. One of the most convincing elements of the love of God is for somebody to truly experience authentic hospitality that's expressed from you to the world around you, to your five-foot circle. So today, I want to talk to you. Well, what I'm titling this is Pursue. Everybody just say Pursue. It's an important word for us, pursue the practice of hospitality. Like hospitality is somewhat of a lost art. It's going to take a little bit of time for a recovery effort to be made for us to, to come back to this and understand how to practice hospitality, true hospitality, biblical hospitality, Christ-like hospitality. And the Bible actually tells us to pursue the practice of hospitality. So we'll take a look at that scripturally uh, today. And I started thinking about, maybe you've seen House Hunter on HGTV, if you've ever watched that. Uh, they follow these people that are searching for a place to live. And um, the focus is the inside and the outside of this beautiful house. And that's what they emphasize in the house hunter. Um, my question is, who are the neighbors? You know, it's one thing to look at the brick and mortar. Uh, we're not doing the tables yet. Uh, it's one thing to look at the brick and mortar, but it's an entirely different thing to evaluate the neighbor. How many of you have ever had neighbors that improved your quality of life? Can I just see you've had those kind of neighbors? How many of you have had other kind of neighbors? Can I just see you're in? Uh, Tracy and I actually lived in a house together, and our next door neighbor um, mowed his lawn in his underwear. Like, not one time, that was his mode. I don't know why, but literally, the, we would see this old man mowing his lawn, nothing but his skitties. And uh, I, I will tell you that this did not improve our quality of life. I mean, the inside and the outside of any beautiful home is impacted by an old man neighbor who mows the lawn in his underwear. And so, uh, I mean, that, that I, we, we just... 
were shocked at that over and over, but it lasted the whole time we were there for many years. And so uh, the, the point I want to make is, you know, the house hunter is searching for this beautiful house and it's like beautiful inside and outside, and that's all of the emphasis, but the neighbors really matter. The brick and mortar isn't as important as the people that uh, create the quality of life. In other words, a neighborhood is more than just a collection of great houses. There's something more to your neighborhood than a bunch of really cool houses. Are you getting the point? I mean, like, people really matter. Whether the world and a society that we live in comprehends this and understands that or neglects it as they do, people really matter. When you're moving into a place, then actually God has purposed the people that you're going to move into to be there. I don't know how all that works, but he's God. How many know God's smarter than we are? Like, he's really smart. And, and he's purposed those relationships to exist. So praying about where to go is more than just looking for the most beautiful home you can afford to purchase. Like it's about recognizing my assignment from God. Romans chapter 12, verses 10 to 13, starts to put this into focus for us. Be devoted to one another. This is the Amplified, by the way. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor, never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength, contributing to the needs of God's people, here it is, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Now, our team's been talking a little bit recently. I'm going to read those verses again. And the reason I want to do it is because I just want to reiterate something for myself maybe as much as anything. But it seems like in the season, God is wanting to take away some of the clever and the presentation side, the attractional side. Um, I think, yeah, A.T. put it, uh, I felt like the Lord was giving me direction for a message that didn't have a lot of sex appeal, if you relate to what he's referencing in that. In other words, let's stop trying to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ and dress it up in such a worldly way that it captures people's worldly carnal attention, and let's actually put our confidence in the power of the Word of God. I'm not reading verses of Scripture so that I can get to a point that I want to make to give you a nice message of the day. I'm exploring the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ when we open up the living and active word of God Almighty. So come on with that anticipation in our hearts. Romans chapter 12, 10 to 13. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor, never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord, 
constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength, contributing to the needs of God's people. Say it with me, would you please? Pursuing the practice of hospitality. And may we allow his word to shape our lives. You know, we, we've said some concepts like this before, but a lot of believers don't let the Bible get in the way of what they've already decided they're going to believe. And we read this portion of Scripture, and if we're not careful, I'm about to start framing some ideas that you can relate to on a practical level, and you'll dismiss every one of them if you're not careful, because your schedule's too busy, because the world you live in doesn't accommodate the level of biblical hospitality that I'm trying to describe, and I'm not trying to convince you to buy into my description of biblical hospitality. I'm trying to say, let's embrace what God's Word says and give ourselves to that, surrendering to His desire rather than formulating our own conclusion that might argue against what God is desiring for us to embrace. Pursue the practice. What does it mean to pursue? I want you to think of something you've been in pursuit of before. Something you've been in pursuit of. Pursue the practice of hospitality. It's interesting because Paul uses the same word in the Greek language that we see in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. He says, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. You, you hear the nature of pressing in and pressing on. Not easy, uh, not the easy way out, but pressing on. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He goes on and says it again, I press on toward the goal. That word press on is also the same uh, word that translates pursuing in the other text of scripture. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly, heavenward. This is conquering brick-and-mortar ideology, recognizing people really matter. We must conquer brick-and-mortar ideology if we're going to recognize how people really matter. Do you realize we live in a society and in a culture that uses people to acquire things? And God is the opposite. He uses things to acquire people. And so if we can start to see that, it really starts to help us. I, I love this. This past week, I've, I've just felt the Lord asking me just to read more Scripture. And uh, as I, you know, I do my turn the page every morning, I'm journaling and writing, and, and I've just felt the Lord saying, read more, read more, and just challenge me to read more. And then I started thinking about the whole idea of transformation and what transformation is about and the, the idea in, you know, the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the word transformation, be transformed into the image of God, and that's the word metamorphosis, and it's the idea of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And I just started putting all this together that when the girls were here in school and they had a science class, we had a caterpillar, and we were watching it be transformed into a butterfly, and suddenly it began eating. Like it wasn't eating, and all of a sudden it began eating and eating, and we had to keep putting leaves in there. And I, I looked this up this week, and, and uh, a caterpillar will actually eat 175 on average leaves 
right before the process of transformation is taking place. And I just felt like the Lord was saying to me, I'm bringing transformation and you need to be digesting the word. Maybe more than you've been digesting the word if you're really going to cooperate with the power of my spirit. And right now, may the sound of my voice be more than just an exhortation to you in the natural. But may there be a supernatural expression by the spirit of God for us to embrace the ways of God, not just the message of Christ, but the message or the method of Jesus in the way we walk this out. Can I get somebody to give me an amen? Let's go there. Let's go there. And so my, my go-to this week has just been the book of Romans. I've just been reading and reading and reading it and going over it. It's where I've been uh, talking out of this but I thought it was really interesting because I started looking at that and realizing in Romans chapter 12 where it's discussing this challenge to hospitality, this is given in the context of presenting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. It's also the context of transformation. Be not conformed to this world, brick and mortar. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Word of God, present yourselves as living sacrifices. This is exactly what I'm trying to get us to see today. God is wanting us not to conform to the image of the world and just try to be nice to people as if that is the expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the kingdom of God and Christianity is not about you being nicer. It's about you being dead so he can be alive through your surrendered available life. You are never going to be as nice as Jesus is. I just want you to know that. You are never going to be as loving as Jesus is. But you can die to yourself and he can be nice and loving through you if you're willing to allow him to do that. But you've got to stop the arguments against what it is God desires to do, justifying why this won't work for you in your house or my family or whatever your scenario may be. So the context of this is a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. This is what I've learned about a living sacrifice. It keeps trying to crawl off the altar. Anybody ever notice that? I get up there and I'm ready and then I'm like, okay. I'm gonna, I start crawling off the altar over and I have to keep coming back again and again. That's why Paul said, I die daily that his kingdom might come. So to pursue hospitality out of obedience is to plan for it. It's to prepare for it. It's to pray about it. It's to do this in an attitude of faith and expectation for God to show up. It's my table actually being made, the table of the Lord. As I surrender my table to him, he invades that table. It's about seeking opportunities to make this happen. You and I are called, I mean, you just got to understand where I'm coming from here. I, I don't even care what's cultural or countercultural. I'm not concerned about that at all. What I'm concerned about is what's kingdom. That's what I want. And you and I are called to push through that. The opposition and the excuses and the reasoning that would keep us back, the anxieties that would hold us back from inviting someone into the true heart of what God's desiring for us to express, the excuses. We have to conquer those excuses. Jesus conquered your sin. Aren't you glad for that? Now it's up to you to conquer your excuses. That's what walking in the Spirit is really all about. And part of the call of God is that we expand God's kingdom in the earth. And that's not just about embracing the writings of Scripture. It's about embracing the ways of the Savior. So what does this really look like? Because here's the problem. Speaking to you as a church leader who's been working with church leaders for a long time, we get a revelation, 
We figure out, we apply a lot of human ingenuity to our little bit of revelation, and then we frame it up, and we give everybody the framework, and then we say, all right, everybody. Now, we wouldn't say it this way, but this is, this is ultimately what's being said. All right, everybody, fit into my box. Fit into my comprehension and my understanding of what this is supposed to look like. If you really want to honor the Lord, come fit into my box. And what we wind up doing then is we celebrate uniformity, and we're, we're actually fueling the fire of inadequacy in the church, and people are not finding their creative expression. I, I mean, I just, again, reading Romans, I'm finding this whole text of this particular chapter. I want to encourage you, read Romans chapter 12 this week. Just engage in Romans chapter 12. I'd love for you to read the whole book, but at least engage in this whole chapter. What you're going to see is there are a lot of various expressions of gifts that are spoken of in the context of learn to be hospitable to people around you. It's going to look different. My expression of hospitality pales in comparison to Tracy's expression of hospitality. We had a special guest over. I won't go into who, but uh, she's a special guest to us, and, um, and, and, and I, I, I did what I do. I started grabbing the paper plates, to which I heard across the kitchen, <clears throat> and I looked over and thought, boy, she's got a frog in the throat, and I realized she was getting the proper plates to provide hospitality on a level that I don't comprehend. Like, paper plates are fine. And then nobody has to wash any dishes. We can have more relational time. I can justify this, man. I mean, you know, my hospitality is not her hospitality, and I, defer, I realized what was going on. Both the girls started laughing, and I just put the paper plates back and said, yeah, we will not use these tonight. And we just kind of went on with the evening. Your expression is going to be different than the people around you. And that's, the, that's what the tables are. I just invited some people. Share with me your table. Just send me a picture of your table. So here are some tables from people in our church. And I want you just to see the variety of expressions of these different forms of tables. Just different expressions. Different expressions to decor, positioning, all the things where they would be in a home. I mean, it's interesting just to evaluate and see how a person's personality starts coming out in their expression of hospitality. And everybody is different. Nobody needs to be the same. Some people are going to be crazy creative. Some people are going to be conservative creative. Some people are going to be more formal in their approach. Some people are going to be more casual in their approach. Whatever your approach may be, I want to endorse your God-given giftedness to be you. I don't want you to be the framework that I think. I want you to respond to how God has designed you to express your heart and express your life in the way you provide hospitality to others. I think there's one more. This was uh, Greg Covell just kitting around when he sent that one. Whatever it looks like, Tonka toy, truck, great, Greg, that's excellent. You're supposed to be in the second service. Man, you're throwing me off my game being in here. Do you get it? You be you. Relax and be you. But be the you God wants you to be. Be the you God designed you to be. 
So let me give you um, some suggestions, practical suggestions on this and spiritual challenge to it as well. I think it's really important that we all understand something uh, great about just meeting together for a meal. And the most common thing that people will resort to in this is let's meet at a restaurant. And sometimes that's what we need to do. But the thing I want to make sure everybody understands, what we just looked at is something way more personal than some meal at a restaurant. Like I'm seeing the heart of your family and the heart of your home when you invite me. The table is in the heart of your home. That's like where the heart, I mean a home is where the heart is. So there's something significant about making room to invite somebody into the heart, the center of the expression of your life. So first and foremost, we need God's supernatural help in what it is he's calling us to do. Um, the Bible actually says that in Psalms 133, that when we learn to dwell together in unity, that there's this amazing grace and this anointing that's released. The blessing of God begins to show up when we dwell together in unity. How many of you want the blessing and the grace of God to rest upon your home, your heart, your life, your table, your family? I mean, there's something about gathering together that it's a promise that the Lord will be there in our midst when we gather together like this. So expect that supernatural. Again, going back to the book of Romans, as I've just been reading this this week, this really struck me in Romans 1, where Paul writes and he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That's a pretty bold statement. And then he goes on to explain, well, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. There is something supernatural that happens when believers gather together with an expectation of the presence of the Lord. And there is something significant that happens when you're at the table with people who are not believers. And we're already starting to see some of this. I mean, the celebration story last week was the, 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 the couple that got saved. They, don't, they didn't come to a church, but they did go to a table. And at the table, they experienced the presence of the Lord. And their hearts were broken in the presence of God. And both of them prayed to receive Christ. And this week, the story that A.T. shared, there's somebody that came who's been out of church now for a few years because he's just walking through his own journey. But in that place of communion and fellowship and relationship, when A.T. invited him in, there began to be some level of conversation that was producing and releasing something of healing. What does God want to use you to do in the lives of people around you? So practical tips, just a few ideas. These are some of the things that we've been exploring and working with to help people move into this, and we're wanting to emerge more in a broad perspective. You can invite someone over to your house anytime for a meal. That is always a great thing to do. And here are a few practical ideas that we've shared. Be interested more than trying to be interesting. Ask them questions about them. Don't try and convince them you're cool or you're awesome. Just be interested more than you try to be interesting. Pray for those that you are hosting and ask God to give you wisdom to have healthy dialogue and interaction that would be edifying and encouraging. If everybody at your table is a believer, great. Ask them to share it with me what we're trying to do, and I would suggest that you say it right up front. I'm just trying to explore what it is to go to deeper conversations around the table. And the great question to ask if everybody's a believer is, how did you meet the Lord? To hear everybody's story. 
if not everybody around your table is a believer, you can point to the characteristics of the kingdom of God as the deeper values that you're exploring. And once again, not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes or bait and switch. Be open right up front. I'm just trying to explore what it is to have deeper, more meaningful relationships and conversation around the table. And then point to some of the values of love and community. Maybe asking the question, where was it in your life that you first experienced a true sense of community and connection and belonging? What was that like for you? And everybody just share what that's like. What we're doing is we're pointing to the deeper value of who we are as family and a deeper sense of communion, community, and connection. The heart of hospitality is about creating space for someone to feel seen, heard, and cared for. And what I'm about to say is maybe the biggest statement I have to make, maybe the greatest challenge you're going to have, particularly because of the society in which we live. Don't get caught up in the comparison trap. (laughs) I love Max Lucado's statement out of one of his books. You think your house is small, but to the lonely heart, it's a castle. You think your living room is a mess, but to the person whose life is a mess, your house becomes a sanctuary. You think your meal is simple, but to those who eat alone every night, pork and beans on paper plates taste like filet mignon. Reiteration, paper plates, hallelujah. (laughs) I might need to frame that little statement and put it up. Let's move right on. This is not about tasting. (laughs) This is not about tasting food. This is about Psalms 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I really love, uh, last week just... A brief conversation with Crystal Gazaway. And um, she said, you know what, we do a summer food ministry program. And many of you have participated in that. And families that um, have free or reduced lunch in the school year, many times will go hungry in the summer. And so um, that you'll see the table right out there in the layout. And what you see here are special uh, bags with bows. Those aren't normally out there. But what Crystal said to me last week was, you know, I want to try and empower these families that we're providing food with to have a meal that they host at their own table. And so those bags are actually um, an additional meal for these families to be able to use. Uh, to provide for somebody in their circle. And so that's a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to be able to do. I, I want to thank you for giving to make that uh, possible. And I want you to think about this in these terms. When you go back maybe to the giving station, uh, recognize the giving station in and of itself becomes a table. When you maybe click the link online and you are going to give, recognize the link in and of itself becomes a table. <laughs> 
this is actually our coming to the table of the Lord with the sacrificial expression. As we increase, we bring our tithe before the Lord and we say, Lord, let your kingdom expand as a result of our surrendered available lives. And, and uh, I, I was just saying hats off to you, Crystal, for uh, you know, all your hard work on this. And she said to me this morning, I just want to make sure that you give a shout out to Heather Shiflett because Heather has been such a support in all of this. Heather oversees all our finance and works with all of that, and I do just want to say to you, Heather, thank you very much for your partnership, and Crystal, for your partnership. Come on. God's doing a really neat work in the lives of people around us. And I just thank all of you for your faithfulness because we've been able to fund that ministry to the degree that it's fully funded, and now additional food being provided and uh, other things as well that Crystal has in her back pocket. She's always thinking, and so thank you for that. Such a generous heart daughter of Linda and, and Harvey comes by it naturally I also want to point this out I think it's important um, in the worship team you can come on back up don't feel like this has to be a meal around a table you do understand coffee at your table sharing your heart is an adequate expression of something deeper, more meaningful from your home and from your heart. You don't have to put on the full, elaborate, three-course China meal. Like, don't, don't even have to have food. Just inviting people into a deeper exchange of connection. And it is work. But I, I just, I want to make sure we all recognize and understand how significant this is because God, we would all say God is loving, but I want you to know it's deeper than that. God is love. Like he's not just loving, like he is love. And so the presence of God is the presence of love. And how many of you know the presence of love will transform any willing heart? And so learning to practice the presence of God, learning to practice the presence of love and, and uh, you know, again, I mentioned we had people staying in our home last week. We have people coming uh, tomorrow. Last night, Tracy said, hey, help me make the bed. You know, my back's bothering me a little bit. And when she said make the bed, I kind of looked at one of the girls. I was like, could somebody else make the bed? I'm going to be preaching tomorrow. I mean, my back hurts. And uh, anybody ever that way, like whenever you're going to host somebody, then you find yourself being grumpy about it? Is that, is that just me? And so I, I, I was, that, that conversation was going on within me, and then I realized, here's an opportunity. And I want you to listen to what happened. I got up, and I walked back into the guest room, and as we were putting the sheets on the bed, tidying up the covers, we just began to pray over that bed, Lord called our guests by name, Dan and Julie Mooney. Uh, called them by name. I said, Lord, just as Dan and Julie come and they lay down in this bed, let their sleep be sweet. May they just encounter your presence in an amazing way as they're dwelling in our home just for an evening. Do you see the shift in what just happened? Sometimes you need to when you're preparing the table and then like you've, you've invited someone over and now other stuff's happened and you've grown distracted, weary, frustrated, maybe have a bad attitude. Sometimes you just have to say, Lord, 
I just have a bad attitude right now. God really values our authentic truthfulness more than our dressed up religious behaviors. And so just learn to be honest with the Lord. I'm just having a bad attitude right now. Maybe as you're putting down the flatware uh, on the table by the china, of course, then just begin to pray for the person that you think by name will be sitting at that table. As you're pouring water in the glass, just think about what I'm saying. As you're pouring water in the glass, Lord, as I'm just filling this glass up with water, would you just fill this person up with your love tonight? I mean, do you understand what that starts to do is create a sense of expectation of God to actually do something supernatural rather than me just entertaining somebody at my table. This fosters this expectation and something then begins to take place in a powerful powerful way in our hearts and in our homes a simple meal shared together I've used a lot of words I've talked a lot and I don't want my words to get in the way I really want us to get his heart in this so why don't you stand I want to just give you this last statement I want you to really process what it is that I'm saying A simple meal shared together and done by faith is a true act of worship. Worship is not a slow song. Worship is a lifestyle of hungering for his presence and the way we explore the purposes and the plans of God. A simple meal shared together and done by faith is an act of worship. So your action point is a little interesting this week. I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you, examine your response to this particular topic, to this particular season. Examine your response. What's going on inside of you? Everybody's having a conversation right now. You realize I'm having a conversation with you. God is having a conversation with you. And you are having a conversation with you. Examine your conversation with you. Examine your response and ask God to help you see what he is wanting you to see in it. Continue praying about who it is God would have you invite into your home. I've not asked you to invite them in yet. You can. Some people are doing that. But mainly right now we're on this journey of just trying to figure out why we're doing what we're doing and maybe who the Lord is stirring in our hearts to invite them in on a deeper level, looking different in everybody's life. Lord, we need your presence as our way of life. We need your presence. And I know that in so many ways, we have expressed ideas of ministry in times past that have convoluted the understanding of what true ministry really is and we're just on a journey to try and get more things right in the future than we have in the past just to make some necessary adjustments so that our lives bring a greater reflection of what your kingdom is all about and we know that the best example of the kingdom of God is discovered in the life of Jesus Christ the Savior of the world 
So we just want to pause for a moment. Just surrender. Just surrender. You know, just as an act of surrender today, I'm going to ask whether you've given your life to Christ before or if this is your moment to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've surrendered to the Lord many times, but you just agree today, I want to surrender to the life of Christ. He is Lord. He's the Savior of the world. We need Him to rescue us from our sins. And we need more than just for Him to be our Savior. We need Him to be our Lord every day, living our lives with Him as Lord of our lives. And I want to ask in a posture of surrender, if you agree today, I just surrender to Jesus for who He is. I want you to position your hands somehow as an expression of surrender. Some available expression of surrender. Lord, here am I. Send me. I surrender to the very heart of God. We recognize that you are who you say you are. We need you to teach us your ways as our way of life, that the kingdom of God might expand as a result of our loving God and our loving others. And we thank you for the life of Jesus that makes the doorway for us to be able to enter in. And then we become the very gates through which Jesus enters the world. We give you thanks, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Just in an attitude of surrender to the Lord, let's press in and let's worship the Lord for a few moments before we're dismissed.